Before we get started in this episode, a quick announcement. As you know, I'm very passionate about acceptance and commitment therapy, and I also run a busy practice in Canberra. We're currently looking for psychologists who are registered in Australia to join our team, who are also passionate about learning about ACT. We provide supervision on a group and individual basis and training around ACT. So if this is you, if you're interested, please express your interest at strategicpsychology.com.au forward slash careers. Look forward to hearing from you. And now back to this episode. Okay, life can be crazy. You're feeling like you're sinking. Just trying to find a meaning. It's time for better thinking. Yeah, better thinking. Time to tune in. Let's go. Welcome back to Better Thinking. My name's Nesh Nikolic and today's guest is my friend, Joel Sardi. I'm not going to introduce him in a particular way other than to say Joel lives his life in a wheelchair. He's quadriplegic and he's been kind enough to share his story with us today. And I think it's one which is an incredible story, one that we can all reflect on and learn from. So without further ado, please welcome Joel Sardi. Hi, Joel. Big welcome and thank you for coming on to the show today. Good morning, mate. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I'll tell you what, it's uh, a, a long time since, since uh, we met and, and, and strangely enough through, through an incredible you know, man of, you know, good friend of both of ours, Paul Rushbrook, who's since passed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's uh, important to acknowledge how, how we connected uh, some, yeah. some uh, you know, years ago now, um, but uh, it's good, good to keep this friendship up, mate. Yeah, yeah, it's spot on. And I, I remember, and yeah, I'd like to acknowledge Paul and his family, but um, yeah, he, he did bring us together along with someone else, uh, a boss of mine, Glenn, who's a friend of mine as well, a friend of yours. Uh, and I remember you said, oh, we'll, we'll do a podcast. I said, yeah, that, that'd be great. And I think it's been two years, maybe more. It has. We're sitting around that fire at Paul's place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a great night. Yeah. We had some good chats then few beers <laughs> yeah that was a that was such a unique moment you know to know that you know that the purpose of your visit was to come down and see paul and you know enjoy some good times with him before things went south for his health and i remember sitting there and just thinking like this is a this is just one of those conversations you're gonna try and soak in as much as you can and and the things that you guys were talking about were absolutely fucking hilarious like Rushy's a funny guy, regardless, and then throw into it, you know, the whole the weight of the situation. It was just, yeah, there were, there were some funny things being said. Uh, we won't go into now. No, no, that's not for the public. Um, yeah, <laughs> tell you what, that's yeah. that's the nice thing about you know friendship in 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 so many ways is that you know we obviously Paul and I met through the army some so many years ago and and yes likewise with glenn and the you know the connections that you form there you know are so lifelong even though yeah. my period there was so short uh, but uh there, there's, there's a particular That's part, short uh, yeah very short um uh, there's, there's, there's a particular bond that i think comes when you go through crap you know hardship and, yeah. and uh in, in, in so many ways, you know, sadly, also that bond of, of you know, watching a mate, you know, uh, 
sort of health decline and, and, and being there um, and just being part of that journey. I think you're very privileged to be part of that journey to talk to him through, through that time, you know, but that bond was, you know, uh, only reinforced, but uh, you know, good, good to acknowledge Paul and, and, and his beautiful family, you know, yeah. Kath and, and, and uh, Isabella and, you know, little George, um, you know, they're such, he's such not little anymore. People. No, no yeah. big boy. <laughs> yeah. No, but they are, they're beautiful people. Yeah. Great family. Well, Joel, I know I know that uh, you know Paul. Paul, um, you know, really in, in, in so many ways uh, introduced us to, to to one another, and also wanted to want an opportunity for us to have a conversation to talk about your life as as well. I think he was inspired and and, and uh, also took a lot from what you had to say, um, and he thought it would be. Yeah, a good thing to, to to share that you know he always i remember always talking to him about different uh podcast episodes of of uh you know different podcasters of people who've done extraordinary things uh and in and in so many different uh arenas and spheres you know it was something that that attracted him and, and i think that that's that probably that tangent that you know we're all attracted to as well it kind of cross crosses us all over of of, of hearing about other people's journeys so i'd love to hear more about about yours because this is my first time as well hearing oh yeah um your 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 full story so you know i'm I'm kind of pleased that it's fresh that way and and you know it's not it's not us going through the story again it's it's you know first 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 time yeah yeah okay so much like you i've got a, a military background um a little bit longer than yours or bit different to yours but um when i was 20 i enlisted into the adf and i was in the infantry and i did my training around the country and was posted to 7rr in adelaide uh, deployed to afghan in 2013 and six months after returning um, I, I fell down a flight of stairs and broke my neck and the damage was severe the spinal cord injury was at my c5 vertebrae and I am now known as a C5 quadriplegic. So I've got no, no movement from below basically my nipples. And you know, that includes no dexterity, um, you know, no, no bowel, no bladder, no sexual function, no body regulation. Uh, there's, a, there's a myriad of complications that come from it. Um, and one of them you're about to hear, you know, my care is about to leave. She just came in this morning, helped me get ready and helped me get in my chair. And that's just a normal part of my day. A carer comes in every morning and gets me out of bed, puts me in the shower or puts me on the toilet and dresses me and um, gets me in my day chair, wheelchair, and then the start of my day, some two hours or one and a half hours later. And that's been for the past seven years. So essentially when I, after, after I broke my neck, I had to learn to live again. And I'm like, imagine just waking up one day, going to work and then never going home. You go home in a, in a wheelchair basically. Um, and then you have to learn how to do everything again because nothing, none of your body works. So yeah, I had to adapt, not just physically, but adapt mentally as well and, and understand that, you know, this is me now. When I look in the mirror, that's, this is how I am sitting down and, and I look a lot scrawny and you know, I used to be 95 kilos. Now I'm 60. So heaps of challenges along the way. 
but in saying that, um, I've got an amazing family who supported me, an amazing network of friends and my girlfriend who is now my wife and we are now parents to a, a 10-month-old daughter, Esme. So from that tragedy and from something so extraordinarily horrific happening, there's been tenfold uh, more positive things to come from it. Uh, and then meeting yourself and meeting Glenn. So Glenn was my employer. He came to see me in hospital and he said, mate, I've got a job for you. You can work as much or as little as you want. And he offered me a job working for Ironside Recruitment and he took me on and I knew nothing about the job, uh, nothing about corporate because I'd been in the army before for the past five years and he gave me a job and I learned the way of the corporate world and, and met some new people and then met Paul Rushbrook and then met you. Um, and then, yeah, I guess my journey slowly evolving on and on from there. Mate, take us back to that starting space, if you don't, if you don't mind. Um, something that struck me is, is you talking about visually looking at yourself now. Mm. Yeah. And in my mind, I was thinking, how do you reconcile that with your visual memory? of who you were considering, you know, 95 is a big, bit different to being in your 60s. Um, yeah. You know, you're, a, you're, you're Paul Rushbrook size, you know, big, big boy. Uh, yeah. I, used to, I used to give him plenty of heat, you know, about, about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, you're, you're a solid, solid man then. Um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, See, okay. obviously with, uh, you know, with your injuries and, and, and the like, you know, your lack of capacity to, 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 to be mobile. Um, you can't, you just simply can't use it. So I'm like, this is all about entropy. I'm assuming, I'm assuming that's how it works. Um, uh, that your muscles just waste because they don't get used. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like my forearm, my, my wrist is just bone. I used to have forearms that look like a leg of lamb, you know, and um, and then you know my hands are just like this. So so much image uh, and like identity problems were coming into play. Uh, so just being able to accept that took years. So yeah, just being able to accept that took years to just be comfortable with how I looked sitting in a wheelchair, and also because like got no back muscles. Sometimes if you don't maintain posture well, you punch. So yeah, it was just so much to accept about how I looked, and um, and then even just clothes, wearing clothes in a chair because I've got less, just less muscle and less posture. Everything sags and hangs off me, um, unless I'm wearing skin tight clothing. That is, so, yeah. So much of that had to change, and I had to accept the way that things now were. But yeah, that took a, a good. Three years so for three years I'd, I'd never want to look in the mirror I'd be pissed off with how clothes would look when I go out um, it was a constant battle and my poor girlfriend who would dress me and say no you look fine or this looks good I'd always disagree with her because I just didn't like the way that I look now in comparison to what I used to be but slowly slowly I learned that like, comparison was the theft of, of happiness because it just 
when you compare, you can never beat that thing you're comparing yourself to. But yeah, that, that's my mentality now. We're, we're talking five years ago where I was a lot more immature and a lot more inexperienced with this sort of stuff. Has this, has this really asked bigger, harder questions of you much earlier in life? That's, uh, yeah. you know, really in so many ways you're, you know, and, and certainly not taking away, away from you, but, you know, you're a young pup back then. Yeah. In, yeah, in mate. Yeah. Harrison, because, because of the circumstance as well, because things were, were, you know, fairly easy going in so many ways. Yeah. I mean, like did, as simple as tripping over a wire on the floor, I lost balance and fell downstairs and I was 22 years old, you know, like I was just starting my life essentially. And, I had plans to travel. I had plans to do this, plans to do that. But I wasn't going to do them today because I thought that I had my whole life ahead of me. So I was just cruising through life and not cruising, but, you know, I was doing things at a standard pace. And that was all just ripped out from under me. Just no questions asked. Um, and then that immediate time after the injury where I was in hospital waiting for a nurse to come and fucking pull the blanket over me or to get me out of bed and dress me. My mates had already gotten out of bed. I'm just you know, using an example here. Again, comparison. My mates had already gotten out of bed, thrown their gear on, gone to work, done a PT session, had a shower, had breakfast, gone back to work. And there I am still waiting in bed for the nurse to come and get me out of bed and shower me. And it'd be like nine o'clock or something. And it was just so hard, you know, it was such a contrast to what I was used to and then what I was planning to do with my life. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. That waiting must be hard. Yeah, because you, you, you're talking about waiting on someone versus yeah. Pussy, you just you just use your legs, you just use your arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, when I present to people about my story, I talk about how, when I lived in Adelaide on my own, it used to take me literally six minutes from the moment my alarm went off to get up, get in my work gear, get in the car and go. And now on a day where, because I'm incontinent, so I empty my bowels every two days, um, it takes from the moment the carer puts a sup in my ass to help me shit, it takes two hours minimum from that time to the moment I'm in my chair to leave the house and start my day. So like six minutes to, to now two hours, it used to be three hours. Like that's a lot of time to sit there and wait and think. Um, and generally in that, when you're in that state of mind, you're not thinking about, oh, look how beautiful the weather is today. You're thinking about well, what the fuck's happened? Like what's happened to me? What is this? Um, yeah. But you know all that, all that, all those times of adversity and I suppose testing of my will. They made me more resilient, uh, and they made me better for it, uh, and a lot better person today than what I would have been had I not have broke my neck. Because yeah, you know, I guess now resilience is my absolute forte. You must have gone through some dark times back then i'm assuming and 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 maybe you pop into them now and then i don't know yeah. tell me tell me about uh tell me about the 
the, the dark times when when actually were there dark times prior to 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 this, or you were happy go lucky, just doing your thing, as yeah. you say, you know, twenty two years old, you know, you're in the army, things are, are pretty good. You're just doing life, you're doing Afghan yeah. trip. That that's a massive, massive achievement, and, and and you know, big big also thank you to 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 you and and the many others, you know, for your service. There's a lot Thank to be you. said for our servicemen and women. Um, uh, but, you know, is this just kind of like your regular sort of a story of a young man going, going through? Yeah. I was, you know, I was nothing different to the everyday soldier because there's so many, and I'm talking in the army world, you know, I was just, sure. just like everyone else just returned from Afghan, um, kicking on with my career and looking post army career when that would be, I didn't know. I didn't have any mental health concerns and then broke my neck and then man, that brought on a lot of mental health um, you issues. You were still in the military then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a just another weekend. Um, it was the 31st of August, 2014. Friday night, came around, weekend, wake up, I went to watch my mates, uh, a local football game. They lost. It was the end of the season, and we went out that night, and that was when my accident happened. I never returned to the army, so I've still not returned to Seven RIR. Um, in a way, I think that really affects me now because I never had closure. You know, I didn't get to finish my career on my terms, and I didn't really get to say my emotional or physical goodbyes to the place. Um, so yeah, that that doesn't sit well with me. But hopefully, I can return there soon to. Go back and just you know, look at my old company, look at the car park, you know, just sentimental things, things that I didn't take note of because I took it for granted or I knew it was going to be there next week. Um, but then after my injury, I definitely, uh, how could you not have dark days after you become a quadriplegic? I think it'd be unhealthy if, if I didn't. But there's a few moments that really sit in my head and you know the moment where, my disabled permit rocked up to the hospital room to put in your car, in my car. That moment of realisation where I've got a disability, I've got a permanent disability now. I was a soldier in the army not a month ago. You know, I was in Afghanistan six months ago. I was at the gym. I was living life. I was going out on weekends, playing football and, you know, what, what follows that, the life of a 22-year-old healthy male? Now I can't even scratch my face. I've got a disability. Like that moment, I'll never forget that. And I, I remember I, I felt really bad because when I was there, um, I had someone with me who had a family member who was intellectually disabled. And I, I almost just took it for granted that this girl, this person has lived with someone in their family with a disability and and here I am whinging about this disability permit that's just come to me. Um, I'm not sure if you can sort of see where I'm getting at there, but it's like I didn't want to be known to have a disability because I just had so much that identity crisis again where this is how I look. I've got a disability permit. Um, you know, that was a moment where I still remember now exactly where I was and exactly who was with me. and. Yeah, it was that moment of realisation. And then I remember in the shower one day where the nurse was washing me and 
at the time I had an indwelling catheter. So an indwelling catheter is like a, a tube that goes through the eye of the old fella, through your urethra and into your bladder. And there's a little hole at the end of that tube in your bladder and it just empties your bladder permanently. So it helps you piss. And, you know, there's that tube that comes out and there's the tube runs down your leg into a, a leg bag, which catches your piss. It's like one liter or something. It's pretty off-putting if you see it for the first time and especially to see it going into your own old fella. And I remember asking the nurse, is this how I'm going to piss for the rest of my life? And, you know, to her credit, she said, yeah, it is. You know, there was no bullshit about it. She told me exactly what it was and how I was going to. And I said, yeah, I need a moment. And I just started crying. I was crying all the time, but I just wanted to cry on my own this time. And I was sitting in the shower in this massive hospital bathroom in a real clinical setting with this catheter in me. And I was still like pretty heavily uh, paralyzed because the spinal shock had, had still not left. Spinal shock is what happens when you have a spinal cord injury and it sticks around for about 12 weeks where you don't know how much movement you're going to get back. But at the time, you're extremely paralyzed. Uh, and I remember sitting there just crying in the shower, looking down at my catheter, thinking, what, what, what the fuck is happening? Um, a real sobering moment. And then, you know, leaving the hospital after that, you know, I would go to bed every night. So I was in hospital for 12 months after my injury. And when I would go to bed at night, I would go to bed hating life, knowing I was a quadriplegic and not really doing anything about it. And, you know, the world would turn and you know, people would go to bed, they'd wake up and then go to work. Whereas I'd go to bed, wake up, and I'd still be the, the depressed, down, hating the world quadriplegic and this just like this is perpetual it went on for years so during that time i had um there was a suicide attempt there was many times where i thought about it and i never executed and yeah i guess through that through the, the low point like we were talking about before you know when people hit their low point and they transition to becoming something different when I hit that low point, that's when I made it obvious or I spoke to my family about it and then we put things in place so that that didn't happen again. And that was like the, the reincarnation of me in some way, but not to say that I've not had dark times or had really low points since then, but I'm definitely a lot better at identifying when I'm going to a slump and not hitting the lowest point and, and doing something silly. And that's, I think that's always going to be there. You know, like I'm always going to be a quad. So I'm always going to have the moments of, mm, this is hard. But in saying that, I've got good things in my life. I've got uh, mental health support and strategies in place to make sure that, like I said, I don't do anything silly again. Did, did being a soldier help in any of that double-edged double-edged sword that one now it helped in that i knew what was tough oh, sorry no i guess it helped in that it being a soldier instilled 
many values that are lifelong. They don't leave you in resilience, um, courage, mateships, all those bullshit sort of one-liners, but shit, they come into play when when you're a quadriplegic and, and you've got nothing left. But then again, at the same time, when you're laying in bed completely paralysed, waiting for a nurse to come and wipe your ass or to put your socks on, you also reflect back to the time where you were carrying $100,000 worth of kit. You know, you're in a war zone or uh, you're a soldier that can do many great things because they're independent, they're strong, and, and everything else that comes with that. So then there was that comparison that came into play. Um, so, yeah, the double-edged sword being a soldier and then a quadriplegic. It's a very, very different space to try and be physically resilient as you kind of need to be as a soldier it's you know a lot of it is about the grind and being in there and courage that's a very very different space you don't need those skills in the same way when you're quadriplegic there's 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 a different it's a it's a mind game at that point rather than a physical game oh yeah ultimate the ultimate mind game yeah the ultimate the question of why me and this isn't fair um shit i i don't know how many times i said that i don't know how many times i cried that into my dad's arms or mum's or elise's or anyone that would come to visit um yeah it felt like a constant bad dream constant yeah and when before my injury, if I was ever in that sort of mindset, I'd go for a run, I'd go for a swim, I'd go to the gym, I'd do a workout and, and release those chemicals and, and the dopamine would be there and I'd feel good. And Whereas it wasn't going to happen when you're laying there and you can't move a single limb. So then you just roll over those thoughts and they get bigger and bigger and bigger and, yeah. You've uh, obviously mentioned your your family a number of times. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, 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 beautiful. Mate. If you didn't know, Sadi, my surname, Italian, so family is big for Italians and that's evident in that. I, I can imagine right now Paul would be giving you shit for that. <laughs> I could, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, though, as he was sipping his red wine, he'd be giving me shit about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I grew up in a massive Italian family. I mean, I've got one brother and a mum and a dad, but plenty of cousins, aunties and uncles. My dad was one of six, so family events were always big. And, um, you know, family has always been taught to be paramount and number one to me that, family will always be there and they have been and that was evident when I broke my neck my uncle my dad my mum and girlfriend flew from Melbourne to Adelaide to be at my bedside Um, and you know it was I think growing up as well like it was there was nothing that I wanted to do where mum and dad didn't support me or didn't want to didn't drive me anywhere or I don't know um I guess you expect that of your parents and I was lucky enough to have that and then some. But then through my injury, 
I remember there was many times like in hospital when, and I refer to in hospital a lot because I really think that was some of the, the hardest parts of my injury. And I guess my injury is who I am today. Um, so I guess that's why I reflect on it so much. But, you know, dad would always, I'd always say, I can't do it. I don't want to do it, dad. And, and his response to me was, we'll do it together. Yes, you can. You know, we'll do it together. And you know, he, he has, and and so is my mom, and so is my uncle, and so of so many of my mates. Because um, you know, I've I've broken my neck, but it's affected everyone in my circle, um, and and that that's evident in the way that our relationships have just have changed with so many of my family, and it's brought me so much closer to my uncles and my aunties and my cousins and. And, and shit, my mum and my dad, you know, like you show your vulnerabilities the way that I did and the way that my families do. And that just creates a, a whole new aspect to a relationship. Um, and, you know, my girlfriend, she, fuck, talk about a woman that accepts you for your faults and your strengths and, and, and works with me. And, and we were, we'd only been together for four years when I broke my neck, so... You know, you, you could say, all right, 20 years old, 22 years old, it's a bit hard. I don't want to deal with a guy whose life looks like he's going to be a, a decrepit vegetable. But she didn't care. Um, she stuck with me. And the days in hospital where she would walk through the door, that smile on her face, I couldn't care that I was a quadriplegic anymore because there was a Lisa walking through the door and that was it. And it's been like that ever since. You know, we got married three years ago. We had a daughter in November last year. And like, man, doesn't get any better than that. Um, with the family that we have and the family that Elisa has, I wouldn't have achieved the things that I've achieved now without people like that in my life. And that's, that's fact. That's cold, hard facts. Um, nothing that you do as a quadriplegic is easy. And you need help with every aspect and every step of the way. Um, and I've got someone who accepts me for all my faults. I've got a mum and dad that will do anything for me and uncles and aunties and cousins and, and family. So, yeah, what I've achieved in the past seven years is not just like on me, it's on everyone else and my family. It's almost like the story pre-injury was about Joel. And now it's about Joel and his family. Yeah, yeah. It's it 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 only happens. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm a bit choked up. And it happens with them. Yeah. Like, yeah. Clearly, yeah. you know, your wife is, you know, in so many ways the ultimate champion as well, because so many girls uh, and guys, if it was the opposite direction, would have left. Let's let's just call it as it is. And yeah. And look, maybe to be fair as well, maybe relationships don't last very long at age 22, you know, where you find the one. But uh, it's harder to find the one if they've just broken their neck and uh, you're, yeah. you're staring down that that road going, shit, like that's now part of my world. Do I want that? And I've, I've got an escape hatch. I can leave. I can say it's all become too yeah. hard. We can have a fight. We can, you know, it's not hard to manufacture if we're going to be, 
genuine about this, you know, like, yeah, you know, and, and, you know, you know, I think got to acknowledge that, that, you know, what a, what a incredible, tough, resilient and, 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 you know, uh, amazing woman, but, you know, it probably also speaks something about who you are too, right? Yeah. I'm a creep. I don't <laughs> let people go. So I hear a bit of hesitation. <laughs> <laughs> I've got blackmail. I've got blackmail. <laughs> don't leave. <laughs> don't go. What's, what story could you uh, let out that you're holding? <laughs> oh, you know what? I think about, and there's none. There's none that come to mind. It's just, yeah, she's a pure person. Um, but, you know, we, we met when we were 17. And, you know, like I joined the army. And how many relationships do you hear of the fall apart when guys join the army? And the, girl, the classic line is, it's me or the army. And guys choose the army and there goes a the girl. Uh, you know, then I lived all over the country and then deployed to Afghan. And Elisa was still there. Um, came home. Broke my neck. She came to Adelaide. And I also talk about this in my presentation because it's a real uh, special, important moment where I said to Elisa, you know, like, understand if it's too much and you don't want to be around for the future, knowing that this could be permanent. Um, so if you want to walk away now, um, I, won't, I won't hold it against you. And, um, and she said, no, like, shut up. There's nowhere else I'd rather be. And um, like that, it does, it does sound really soppy, but for a, a time like that where you don't know what the fuck's happening with your world and your life and you don't know why you can't move or what, what your future looks like, to know that there's someone that's going to be there is just so comforting and, and makes you feel so much more secure. It's like, all right, look, I may be, I may be disabled or I may have this for the rest of my life, but I know I'm not going to be alone in it. And I knew that with my family. I knew that was, I didn't even have to consider that. But to have someone love you and be in that sort of a loving relationship in that regard, regardless of how you looked or what was going to um, transpire, yeah, it was like that. the last piece of the puzzle. And then you find that, that jigsaw piece and you put it in there, it just it needed to be. And, and that, that made things a lot bit, a lot better. Did you believe her? Did I believe her? Mm. I've never been asked that. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, I, I guess I did, you know, I, I had no reason to not believe her um, given that we'd been together for five years or so at this stage. And for the past three, I hadn't even been around. So I guess the fact that, she'd stuck around for those times where I wasn't even there. And we were living a long distance relationship in our twenties. Um, yeah. I guess I just said, yep, yeah, cool. I believe you. And yeah, like there's, it's, it, yeah, we've had a really unique, special bond probably before then. And even since then now, even more so, I guess we've got that, we have that relationship where you know, we've, we've seen the absolute worst in not each other, but I guess, the worst in life, you know, the, what life could throw at you. And it creates a new dialogue and a new bond and a new string to our relationship that I can say hand on my heart that I know a lot of other relationships will never hit that point. So we're, yeah, we're, 
a unique, unique couple. Yeah. It's changed your relationship with your parents too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Because how, yeah, how can it not, you know, how can it not? Um, one thing, there's one thing about being a quad where you need to be a good communicator because you really need to direct your care, the term is. So you need to direct people as to how to do everything for you. Um, and essentially that, that comes down to even how I want to wear my hat or how I want to early days, how I want someone to brush my teeth. And for example, when I was getting my mum to do something for me and she was doing it the way that she thought was right and it wasn't comfortable for me or it wasn't how I wanted it to be. And I would get pissed off because, you know, I'd normally just do things the way I wanted and I'd have it sitting at the right angle or brush my teeth at the right angle. You know, you'd get frustrated and, and take out the frustration of the situation on the people when it's not the person who's doing the wrong thing, it's the situation. So I guess it, again, it's, it introduced a whole new understanding and, and level of patience and compassion for my loved ones, my carers, but yeah, especially my parents who only wanted the best for, for myself and my brother or whoever else. But having that ability to understand that it's not the problem, sorry, it's not you know, the person who's creating the issue, it's the problem and directing my frustration at that and not the person. Because early days, it was a lot of, directing my frustration at people around me and, and to answer your question, my mum and dad. Um, but now it's like identifying, well, you know, shit, it's the, it's the problem. It's the, it's the injury that's causing the issue. It's not the person trying to do the care that's doing it wrong in my mind. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it has, an, and I guess early days, you don't spend that much time as a young man crying into your dad's arms, but, Shit, I did a lot of it. Um, and, you know, we're about to go on another journey together where I um, I'm, I want to start riding, like cycling professionally. And last week we were in there in, in, this, in the warehouse getting fitted out in this chair and um, the level of my injury is such that there, there'll be certain gradients that I can't tackle. And um, the guy who was fitting me out said, Oh, look, yeah, for your disability, for your category, you can have, um, you can have someone ride with you. Who's able to push you up a hill or help you. And dad was there at the time because he was helping me get in this chair. And because it was quite a physical arduous task, I needed him there. He, he took the day off work. He came in with me. Um, so it was already a beautiful moment. And then when uh, the, the person fitting me out said, you know, you, you can have someone there. Uh, I looked up to dad and it was a, like a moment where I, we both envisage, envisaged in the future, fuck, like I'm going to be riding a bike together and dad's going to be behind me, helping me up a hill or he'll be there in a time where I'll be physically hurting. And it was just a really nice moment to know that he can be there for that part of my journey as well. You know, he was there at that time in the hospital where, again you know the why me can't do it you know that's all right son we'll do it together and i didn't know how that would look i didn't know what that doing it together would be and 
and in the, in the warehouse last week when the the sales rep was saying you, know, you can have someone there helping you well that's what it's going to that's what it's going to look like you know that's what it'll be it'll be dad helping me up that hill or it'll be dad helping me down the hill or it'll be dad picking me up after i've just driven off the track into a tree you know so um yeah that was a really nice moment and i, I guess that's an aspect to the relationship that i never would have had had i not a broken my neck mm. like they're the yeah. uh the sweet spots yeah 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 um yeah, you know, because there's so many ways, you know, it, it's uh, it's what every dad wants to say, and thankfully we don't need to. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's the uh, or it's certainly not not at that level, you know. We, maybe we say, look, you know, I know that's upsetting. You didn't get the job that you wanted. You know, I'm here for you, mate. That's mm. very different, but you know, yeah, folks aren't going to go to their dad for that. No. No, no, yeah, and and, and no. their dad's probably not going to say we'll do it together. You know, dad will probably say, you know, chin up, and uh, back on the horse, and mm. let's hit the next one. You know, at least traditionally, right? And and maybe yeah. mum will might say traditionally, and obviously these are big generalizations, but maybe mum will say, you know, I know it's it's hard, and you know, uh, might be a bit more, you know, consoling, but you know, dads are supposed to be tough, you know, because may, maybe they reserve yeah. it. Maybe they reserve it for these sort of scenarios. Not suggesting that mums aren't. I'm sure there's plenty of stories. Actually, maybe you can share a story about about mum. Yeah, I can. Oh well, when, it's different up until though, the right? It's a, it's a different thing. Oh yeah. Like there's yeah. there's something about you talking about crying in your dad's arms like chokes me up. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a beautiful moment, mate. It's a, one of the the reasons that I, I'm so. I suppose happy and supported, not supported, but somewhat successful because I've got such supportive parents and a dad that instilled some good values in me. But to, to talk about mum, up until the day that I joined the army, she was making my lunches for me at uni. <laughs> uh, uh, I'd like, you know, I still do take mum's word as, as gospel, but no, I could ask mum, mum, why is the sky blue? And she could say, oh, because everyone uses blue detergent in their dishwasher. And I'd believe it, you know, like, because, <laughs> because mum, mum was, mum still is everything. But um, even up until now, I, I know that I could call mum at two in the morning, three in the morning and just want to talk. And she'll, she'll sit on the phone for two hours and she'll have that chat um, or at the hospital at the hospital, Nesh, I'm talking, I was there for 12 months and she was there every single day from the moment visiting hours open, which is like nine o'clock till about eight o'clock at night, every single day, along with, you know, my, my girlfriend and my dad that would come often, you know, Elisa had her work commitments and dad also had a, comp- a business to run, but mum was there every single day. And, um, you know, that, that's, it says a lot about the person mum is. And to reflect on the food thing again, being a wog, she would come in <laughs> with food. It was uh, at this hospital, right? They, they serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner as they do at any hospital. But, mate, the food there I wouldn't serve to my dog. It was shit. <laughs> 
So I was there for 12 months, mate, and I had one meal there, one lunch. It was like a, a salad and it was, it was like leaf, salad leaves this big, tomatoes with the size of your fist. There was no flavour to any of it. And um, I think that was early days. And, and, and after that, I never ate a meal there again. Mum brought in my food for breakfast, lunch and dinner every day. And so did, you know, my girlfriend or, or, or a friend that would come and visit. But, yeah, there was mum walking in with her little the bag that can get um, the, the glass tray that you can chuck in the oven and heat up or in the microwave. And, you know, we had lunches together and we had dinners together. Um, and that, that family element of eating meals together, you know, we still maintain that at the hospital, you know, whether it was with a friend that came to visit or my uncle or um, my, my uncle Eric, who was, I'm really close to, who would come all the time to visit. Um, but he'd also remind me about how much you have to pay for parking every time. He would always blame me for that. Cheapskates, <laughs> bloody, bloody wogs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wogs. Still reminds me about it today, <laughs> seven years on. Uh, but, you know, like we'd still sit down in the hospital in the, in the, in the communal dining area where with, with my dad, with my mum, with me, with, with my girlfriend or my uncle or brother, like I was saying, and, like that family element was still there. Mate, what a beautiful, beautiful story and family that you have from, from, yeah. from, from those you know, small little things that, 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 that you've mentioned. You know, mate, I just feel like just so emotional just hearing about that, you know, how, you know, how much your, your mum and dad and uncle and, and wife and, um, you know, rallied. That, that uh, yeah. you know, you're uh, uh, in so many ways, you, you become so vulnerable, you become like, you know, uh, uh, and, you know, with all due respect, if I can use this word just, just to try and explain it, at least in my mind, you know, somewhat childlike, again, you need them. You know, you, yeah. you, you, all of a sudden, not child in mind, but child in body. Your your body, you know, you need to be fed. You, mm-hmm. I'm not sure whether you could feed yourself or not in the early days, or how that no. kind of looked. But you, you, know, you, you needed to be dressed and 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 taken to the toilets and and yeah. all those things that we do with, as you know, you would know now with your youngster. Um, uh, it, it, all those things require an enormous amount of 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 investment and love and and, and, and yeah uh, you know time just giving yeah and you know as a 22 year old young man having you know just been in the army and then you know breaking my neck getting home and there were times where like i'd be in my room at, at home because mum and dad again you know they sacrificed so much they um, dipped into their savings, I'm pretty sure. But then also with a lot of fundraising, they extended the house so that I could move home. And this 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 room is wow, completely wheelchair friendly. The, it's it's the best room that I've seen in someone's house to date. And I was I was living there myself because mum and dad had a lot of people build it. But I'd be in my wing of the house and I'd just start crying because it was early days. It was in the morning. And, yeah, oh shit, here we go again, another day in the chair. And mum would come in my room and find me just in the corner, bawling my eyes out. And she wouldn't need to say anything. I wouldn't need to say anything. She'd just come over and, and, and hug me. 
and, and I'd sit there and, and, you know, like really weeping and, and crying. And, and then on top of that, a couple of days later, I shit myself because I'm incontinent, you know. And then my mum had to wipe my ass, had to dress me, and I'm 22 years old. Not as if, like, I've got a, a brain injury, but completely just incontinent. And I'm sitting there and I'm laying on my side and my mum's wiping my ass. I'm thinking, like, what the, what is this? How, how is this happening? But mum was just doing it. And mum, as if I was a six-month-old baby, just went back 22 years, 21 years and six months and that was it. We're changing nappies again. Um, does, the, 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 does any of that make sense to you now that you've got a little one? Uh, I, st- I don't change nappies, mate, so no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't changed a nappy to date. <laughs> but in terms of the love, in terms of the love that you could. Oh, yeah. 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 I definitely, I definitely see that there's no, there's nothing that you wouldn't do for your child. And that, that's, that's, that's timeless. That, that, that is timeless. And I've learned that definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But mate, not having to change a nappy, that's 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 one perk. Oh mate, I'm telling you. <laughs> to the listeners out there, if you don't want to do the dishes, if you don't want to have to cook your dinner, do the ironing, make your bed. Um, or if you don't no, want to dirty your shoes ever again, that, <laughs> cruise that's, around in a wheelchair. That's one of the things, Joel, that really I think strikes me about you is is your sense of humor that uh we were able to a few years back now sit around a uh a fire at paul's place and uh uh, just have a yarn and um you know i certainly didn't see uh you know the chair uh and i of course i wouldn't because i'm not in your shoes um but in, in, in so many ways, uh, you're you know just an average good bloke with a good sense of humour, but yeah, you've yeah. you've got that positive Thank spark you. about you as well. Like, you know, you know as, as you say, how could you not have those dark times? You know, because mm. you know that that makes no contextual sense to continue to feel bright and bubbly and the rest of it when you've just lost all function of, of, of your body. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, meeting you, um, you know, you just, you just ooze. Um, uh, uh, positivity and joy. And, and I know that's not the story because that's only part yeah. of the story, but that that's the Joel that I, <clears throat> that I see is, is, is your nature. Um, Thanks, you know, I, Thank I, you. I don't know whether that's something that you've had to, Work on, or, or that's that's you know Joel pre twenty twenty two, but uh, yeah that that's that's a big part of this story that I that I see is is maybe that's how someone gets by is is you know you're lifted by that spirit, but you know you're still kicked in the guts over and over and over, and I'm sure those, those you know, kickings occur every day, you know, and they're still around. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, mate. I appreciate that uh, little piece there. I so I was just thinking back then to it. You said kicking the guts, but 
there's there's a lot of yeah a lot of little times that bring you back down to earth and say hey remember you're a quad um but i always try and remind myself that that's negative speak like i could always think about uh yeah i can't go outside today because it's too cold or i can't there's many things i can't do as a quadriplegic but like they're not helping me they're not they're not going to help me achieve anything for the day. Um, so what, why do I, why do I do that? Um, safe to say that, that that's going to happen all the time and I need to acknowledge that that's going to happen. But at the same time, when, when those, those, those negative thoughts happen, I think about the, you know, the opposite, the positives and, and where that will get me versus where the negatives will get me. Um, obviously, you know, this far outweighs this side. Yeah, the, the kick in the guts, they'll come every now and then. And one was a few years ago when we learned how to, uh, how we were going to have kids. Just had to use a specific device to extract the, the sperm. Um, and I had to have a lady use this device on me, like a stranger, to extract it. Um, and, and it wasn't successful. Like, without going into too much detail, look up something called a 30 care, F E R. T-I-C-A-R-E. Um, and at know, least they try was, and put the care in the name. Yeah, <laughs> mate, there's, there's no care to this. I'm telling you. <laughs> it was no care to this. And I remember like leaving this room with Elisa and I said, We do not speak of this ever again. And I just bawled my eyes out because I was like, that's how is that fair? Like, how is that how I'm supposed to now have kids after that machine didn't work on me? That was like that little kick in the guts. Um, but obviously I didn't care too much because I was on the phone telling my mates about it that night, <laughs> about, <laughs> about this experience. So I guess there's that, um, you know, like the negative side. We never tell anyone about this again. I, I started crying and then later that night I was telling my mates about it and then we were laughing about it. And now they take the piss out of me about this story, about this little 30 care device. Uh, so I guess there's a little, little anecdotal evidence there about, you know, mindset and, and where it will get you mate i'll be straight on google after this and i'll call you <laughs> what the fuck is that paul and glenn haven't told me about this this is one this is one for the ages <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's it again a story about be the around first time we'll, that. we'll get into yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure shit obviously the this is really back uh getting, I suppose, your sperm um, yeah. to be able to um, you know, assist in, in having a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a, so I guess that was a, a more of a natural method attempt. And then we realised that wasn't, wasn't going to work. So we, we left it there and then we, we went down the IVF route and um, terrible use of the word there, IVF route, but uh, the IVF path, I'd say, Bit of a pun, but yeah, we went IVF and and that was successful. Uh, that, that was successful first time. Oh wow! And wow. yeah, like we were we were really fortunate, really happy. Obviously, they're, really they're happy, good but swimmers, very mate. fortunate. Well, you know, I was told that um, because of the injury, the the little swimmers they're all in different shapes. <laughs> they're all a bit deformed, and they're swimming a bit funny. So it reminded me about the home, you know, the Homer Simpson episode. Homer where he's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But hey, they were good enough. They got the job done. Yeah. 
So does does your uh, and sorry to, to to go into these these areas, but uh, I know you said nothing nothing's really off off, off limits in our conversation mm-hmm. before. Yeah. Does your fella work at all? Um. So no, not naturally. No. Like if there was if there was any desire to use it, you'd have to have Viagra. Yeah. Or I would, uh, and that's that goes for anyone with spinal cord injury. And, and would it work with Viagra? Because I actually had a podcast guest on, you know, before talking about, uh, you know, uh, all sorts of different, um, you know, means of of trying to support an erection, and you know, Viagra mm-hmm. is obviously one of the common ones, um, sort of first level ones, and you can do surgery and all sorts of stuff to mm-hmm. um, to, to do so. Um, it so still works. So all all of all of your kind of internal functioning works. It's just that you don't have your external functioning, like, like well, your legs no, don't work at all, or is there a percentage? Uh, you know, how does that all sort of work? Yeah, like the, everything that works um, is like a so not work. So, like I can punch my leg as hard as I can. I won't feel the pain. I won't feel hot or cold, but I'll feel deep pressure. Um, I can create a spasm, which is like where the legs will just like jump around heaps by moving we, my legs. Is a by trying move. to move your leg or, or you physically move it? Yeah, I have to physically move it. Or like I'll twist my trunk and yeah. because you've obviously got like um, your hip flexor muscle. As you twist your trunk, that pulls on the hip flexor and then that creates a spasm through the quad and a bit of the hammy and the leg sort of bounces on the spot. Um. But it's not the, you doing it. The, the, no, you've just no. you've just learned that if you move your trunk, your leg will spasm, for example, and it will bounce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And early days, my leg spasms were a lot strong because I had a lot more muscle. Um, and I went to a party, and it was one of the first parties I'd been to on my own without Elisa. When I say on my own, without Elisa, and I was there with a friend, and uh, I was talking to a bunch of people, and. I twisted and my leg sort of kicked off the foot plate and went forward. And what it does is it like kicks out to, 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 until the muscle gets tired and then it stops moving. But there was this girl sitting, standing in front of me and I spasmed and my foot came off the le- off the plate and I kicked her straight in the shin. Not just once, it went doof, 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 kept kicking her and she looked at me like, what are you doing? And I was so embarrassed and I, I thought, I'm so sorry. I can't control this. It's, it's a spasm. And I don't think she knew what a spasm meant or what I was doing. And she walked away and I was like, oh, fuck, what have I done? But, uh, yeah, that was one of my moments where I you know, really learnt the strength of my spasms. Do you get self-conscious? Does it, do, is, yeah. Is, yeah. Straight away. I'll answer that. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Big, big, um, big anxiety. Big anxiety about are they looking at me? What are they thinking about me? What are they saying? Not so much these days, but early days. Uh, and I would combat that through just like self-medicating. And that never ends well. Were, were you drinking a bit back then? Yeah, yeah. And like it just, just to the point where I'd be not myself mentally. And I, that's how I would cope. Um, and that was, a, that was a, you know, a shocking way to deal with it. Whereas now... I just make it clear to Elisa I don't feel right or but it hasn't happened in a while not only because we're in COVID but because I think I'm a lot more comfortable with myself and I think after having Esme 
Excuse me, sorry. Someone made me get up at an early time on a Monday morning. I'm a bit tired. <laughs> um, yeah, after having ears, man, I think I realised what's important and what's not. You know, like I couldn't give a shit if that person across the road is looking at me in a wheelchair. Um, you know, Esme is all that matters, or and, and Elisa and my family. But if you know what I mean. You know what's interesting? I think I think most human beings walk around being fairly self conscious themselves. So I, I imagine if I tried to guess what are people thinking when they see you, is they're probably worried about not insulting you. You know, it's, yeah. it's almost like that. And I'm only guessing, but it's almost like that um, uh, we get self-conscious to not do the wrong thing and we're not used to wheelchairs enough, right? Yeah. We just yeah. don't see enough wheelchairs. We don't see enough, um, uh, uh, you know, of, of these contexts to know how to react. And so we find ourselves feeling a bit awkward and maybe less the more we mature because we see more and more of it over time and then we're like, man, it's just you know, a person in a wheelchair. Yeah. Um, but when you're younger, um, and I don't know what age that, you know, where, where, where you start kind of not giving a shit or not, not sort of noticing or not, not even giving it any weight, um, not, not sort of caring, um, you just you know, lose that self-consciousness and you just treat the person as a person rather than treat the person as someone in a wheelchair. And that's yeah. that, that you must, you know, feel that all the time that, you know, someone who treats you cause you're in a wheelchair in a certain way versus someone who just treats you as a person doesn't mm-hmm. care about the chair. Well, a hundred percent, hundred percent, mate. Like that the first time I went to a shopping center in my wheelchair, I remember I was with um, my girlfriend and her mum, and I was in so much denial that I was in a chair that instead of me pushing myself to say that, like, you know, I'm in a wheelchair, this is how I get around, I wanted to put my hands in my hoodie pockets because it would have made me look like maybe I had an injured leg or something and someone was pushing me around. Like, I was in absolute denial that I needed this wheelchair to get around. Um, and a couple of people looked at me and Morris, I said, what the fuck are you looking at? Like I was so insecure and that's not me. You know, that's not my character to do something like that, but I was so insecure. And now I look back and you know, anxiety through the roof, through the roof. Um, but yeah, I was, what are you looking at? What the fuck are you looking at? Don't look at me. You know, I don't need this wheelchair just because I'm, I'm getting pushed around or you know, I was in absolute denial about being disabled or having an injury. Whereas now it's, you know, doesn't exist if people look at me i'll just smile how are you hi um and i think kids i love when kids come up and ask me questions because they ask a question because they want to know not because they've got an agenda yeah they're not judging they're they're interested they're like yeah how come he gets a chair yeah yeah or what's your scooter they ask me your scooter or your pram or yeah yeah and i love it mate i love the questions and it and it's funny because over time, we're conditioned to, oh, don't say that, don't do this. As adults, you know, like you're saying, a lot, a lot of the time, the kid will be straight up to me talking, and then you know, a minute later, the parent will come in and interrupt. Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Leave the man alone. Like, no, don't leave the man alone. Your kid's teaching you something about being like being pure and honest. So let the kid do that. Maybe you should learn from the kid. Um, so yeah, I find those sort of encounters really funny. 
but then to touch on my, my mates that or the people that see just me, well, that's obvious because they'll be like, all right, one of them, a, a good mate of mine specifically, will get a pizza and he'll say, all right, mate, come on, come and get it. And he'll stand at the top of the stairs, come and get your pizza. And he'll sit there and he, and he eats it in front of me. Or uh, like yesterday he calls me, happy Father's Day, you decrepit. Oh, thanks, mate. Great to hear from you too, you know. like There's just that. There's that. There's that. Um, they see the person. They see me. Yeah. The injury, who cares, mate? You're injured. We don't care. that's the old banter. That's, that's uh, yeah. you know, you're, it's, uh, it's, it's said with, um, with an appreciation and obviously it comes from a mate. Yeah. That, yeah. That's not a, a stranger making that comment. <laughs> there. The, you, you know where that comes from and, uh, yeah. and I'm sure you give it back. Uh, I've seen oh, you give yeah. it back, you know, just yeah. as good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's nothing wrong with my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Tell yeah. me about your mates. Tell me about your mates. Yeah. Cause uh, obviously we've, we, we, we've spoken about, your incredible, beautiful, you know, uh, wife and, and uh, you know, family. Um, how, how did your mates, uh, you know, react to and, and respond to, to, to all of this and, and over time as well? Because I know, I know at the beginning there's always going to be an outpouring. How has it been yeah. across the journey? Look, I, Aletha says all the time, like, I've got such um, incredible mates and so many of them. Like, it's so hard to say that you've got, like you know people have their, their close network of three or four good friends but it seems like i've just got countless ones um someone said to me as well like and it, someone said to me when i was first injured and i'm still good friends with him now he's an older friend bit of a mentor he said mate at a time like this good people are going to stay and the bad ones are going to piss off um and you know there were people family as well and and friends that sort of strayed from the path and and aren't around anymore but that's okay, you know. I'm not, I'm not bitter at those people. If if it's if they're not going to invest time, then either will I or emotion. But I've got incredible friends in that were friends in the army, so I know I can rely on them, and I know I, ha- I have relied on them and, and lent on them in the past. And you throw this sort of injury into the mix, and keep going back to what I was saying, how it adds a whole dynamic to a relationship about showing vulnerability and being honest and and everything. Um, yeah, look, I, I just feel like I'm a really lucky person and that's not like trying to gloat because I'm happy and I've got this injury, but I'm just saying I'm lucky because, um, I've got amazing family and friends that I know that I can call on at any time. Uh, specifically that guy that called me yesterday and abused me, like the good friend of mine, I could call him now and he'll leave his job and he'll come and be at my door to help me with anything. Um, so, yeah, I guess that I've got some incredible friends, but I think that's a two-way street there. You know, if you show respect to them, show your vulnerabilities, you're honest and you, you, you trust them, then I suppose it comes back at us. So I'm no different to anyone with a good, good network of friends. And uh, how do you socialise now with 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 them how, how do you organize catch-ups how does that whole world work yeah i guess they've learned to they've learned venues that are good you know, in regards to layouts they know climates that are good because i can't regulate my temperature i can't be outside and i can't sweat so they wouldn't choose a, a beer garden in the sun 
in the summer, or maybe they would just to piss me off. Um, uh, but yeah, look, they, they know how to handle that. And they also know, like, so I was saying before, I need to use a catheter to piss. They know how to set them up and they're like, I don't know. It would be pretty confronting to watch me. I'll show you. Unscrew one of these things. And there's a telescopic tube and it goes down my old fella. Like it'd be pretty confronting to see that, but they're all cool with it. And a lot of them have to like pull my pants down, unzip my fly, pull my jocks down and help me get it out so I can then put the, the catheter in. And they're all cool with it. You know, they know exactly how it happens. And they'll, are you right? You need to go to the toilet. What do you need? Do you want me to cut that up for you? Or do you want me to do this? Um, so, you know, they've adapted to, to having a friend with my with, with a level of disability that I've had that I have, and I suppose yeah, we it's just not normal, you know. Like it's funny what becomes the new normal. Mate, one of the things that uh, uh, I think we spoke about as well, and and, and I remember Paul, talking to Paul about as well, is is your transport. Yeah, that uh, obviously you know is is fairly new in, in, in many ways and, and it's been around for a little while now. Uh, talk us through that and, and how that came about as well. Oh, mate, so I'd, I'll answer your question and I'll go back to the start. So I, I drive a Volkswagen multivan and I drive it myself. Um, there's a, a ramp that comes through the side door. So side door opens, ramp comes down. I drive in and there's a, a docking station in the floor where my pin from the chair goes in and that locks my chair into the car, put my seatbelt on. And then um, there's a, a three prong knob on the steering wheel, which I weave my hand in and lock, lock it in. Obviously it helps me steer because I can't grab a steering wheel without, with this, with no dexterity. So that's how I turn. And then to the right, like a, a boat engine, but it's more so down as opposed to pushing forward. So crank down to accelerate and push forward to brake. Um, and then all the all the buttons for the indicators are on the side of the door. So one beep is t- so you hold it down for one second. That's left indicator. Two seconds is right. Three is the horn. Four is high beams. Five is the wipers. Um, so that allows me to drive around. But that van was purchased through the help of fundraisers, primarily from RSL Victoria um, and RSL Montmorency. They donated $50,000 towards the purchase of this van. Um, and then there was also the Venator Club who raised money and also helped me pay for this van because, and they raised also $50,000. Um, and that, that bought the van and, and helped to get on the roads, basically. So I went five years of just getting taxis everywhere and people driving me and sometimes getting the train. So now I drive and you, you don't realize how much independence you lose until you get something back and like getting that, that independence back of driving. Oh man, it was some, some incredible moments of laughing to myself whilst driving and smiling incredibly happy with myself. Um, and, and the moment where Elisa went into labor last year and I said, all right, no worries. I got this, let's go. Got in the car and I drove her to the hospital. And then the day that I took my daughter home, I drove my daughter home from the hospital, mate. Like, uh, 
I, I don't think I've driven it any slower in my life <laughs> or, or like stayed in the left lane 30 Ks under the limit. But, you know, like I was doing it, mate. Like you know, I drove them in and I drove them home. And like that's, that's cool to know that people can rely on me for that sort of stuff. And that was, that was done through the help of some, uh, and I, I don't want to name names in case it, conflicts of interest, but yeah, there was RSLs that helped out and um, Benetton Club Melbourne helped out, or Berlin, they helped out and you know, that's, that's a key part as to why I'm employable or why I'm independent now. I imagine that sort of stuff must also have an incredible bearing on your well-being and your mental health. Yeah. on on your identity you know that you know i remember you know when, when we caught up you know at the end of the night i was all right see you, mate see joel and uh you know you cruised up the the, the the driveway i didn't even see your car and you know you took off and it's like that's just normal that's you know yeah you know expecting that nothing different and and you know not knowing the the outfit of, of the, the, the setup, there must be a hell of a lot of, of uh, not only the purchase of a brand new vehicle, and I, I imagine it would have to be brand new because you're not going to invest that volume of, of, yeah. of cost to, to then, yes. um, you know, have, have mechanical issues and then to go yeah. and set it up to engineer it, to get all the, the safety things, you know, all of that stuff, anything that is custom is just, you know, um, pardon the pun, an arm and a leg. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Mate, it's uh, 130 grand to modify, 135 grand to modify it. Jeez. Uh, the insurance on the thing, it's like five grand a year, um, five and a half grand a year. It's nuts. Wow. Uh, Is yeah. that 130 including the vehicle or that's 130 on that's top of the vehicle? On top of the vehicle. <gasps> but 130 on top of the vehicle. That's covered this by NDIS. It doesn't matter that NDI is like, I mean, look, shout out to NDI. So that's fantastic. Yeah. 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 Boy, yeah. That's just ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, another conversation. But uh, that's a conversation it, with a few beers. I'll tell you what, we, yeah, you know, exactly. Sure yeah. We could, uh, you know, take this in a new direction, this conversation. <laughs> We're well overdue for that one. <laughs> but there's a funny moment where I get the, um, so I've parked the car out the front of a pub, right? And it's a pub that um, it's got a lot of people out sitting on the street and on the on the the, um, the the balcony, and they see this guy rock up in a wheelchair. And you know, I've got my headrest on. I don't wear it now because I don't like the look of it. But I've got the headrest on. I need to wear it when I'm driving. You know, I, I look like a quadriplegic because I'm in a powered wheelchair, and I pull up to this van and the door opens without me even being near it because I can access it remotely. The ramp goes down and I pull up and people are like, what the fuck's going on here? I drive in there and there's guys, I can see at this table, they they put their beers down and they're like looking at the corner of their eye and one of them nudged his mate and they're both looking. I get in there, ramp up, door closes, engine on, I drive off and then... <laughs> <laughs> like they're... They're looking at me, what the fuck's just happened? <laughs> the jaws just dropped. What's going yeah, on? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that that was a funny, that was a funny moment where I because I I've often said to Elisa, what do you reckon people think when I get to the car and I just drive off? And I was able to see these people's faces and it was pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. 
if I could, I would have given them the bird out the window. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, got no dexterity, so it's not going to happen. <laughs> Just smoke up the tyres in the way. Yeah. <laughs> but it's front-wheel drive, so it's really hard. <laughs> I drive like a grandpa. I don't, I, look, I, n- I never knew that, you know, you're driving a $200,000 vehicle. Yeah. It's out of control. Yeah. Yeah. Could have been an Aston Martin, but could have no, been a Volkswagen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's awesome, mate. Like it's got um it's a long wheelbase. So it's it's I think it's an extra 300 mil on the back. And in the middle, like I can turn my chair around 360 and, and be completely fine because it's the middle middle row of seats that come out. So when we go on a holiday and I just went on a family road trip with my wife and daughter, I drove all around like regional Victoria. I went away with my powered wheelchair, my manual wheelchair, which is one I push myself, my shower chair, which is what I basically have a shower from, which is quite bulky. Um, Elise is diabetic, so she needs a lot of medical supplies. And obviously me, I need a lot of medical supplies as well. And throw on top of that a pram and baby clothes and our gear, we were gone for seven days. It looked like we were gone for seven months. But like we could fit everything in this car, absolutely everything. So it's it's such a good asset to have. Incredible um, storage wise, yeah, it's it's amazing. Incredible, incredible. And what what do you do? What do you do these days? I know that for for a while um, you're working with Glenn at Ironside. Yep. Uh, what do you do now? Now I I present uh, to sports clubs, businesses, schools. Um, it was initially just sharing my story. Now I, I tell my story and I run a workshop and, and give people resilience tools to go away and work with and, and improve their resilience skills and perspective. So, yeah, I, I guess it's public speaker, facilitator, motivational speaker, however you want to look at it. Yeah, look, um, all, all the language doesn't matter. I think, I think you nailed it with... with- uh, having an opportunity to take perspective that, that I think, you know, perspective is everything, you know, and obviously I come from yeah. that, 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 that psychological world and, and, you know, your, your, uh, all your transitions, you know, are perspective transitions, you know, what, what the first one was one you didn't ask for called an injury. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, you've also flipped that perspective around to see some, some uh, sweet spots, some gems that have come out of that. Not that, uh, not that that it makes the whole thing a good thing, but some good things have come out of it. But that takes time to also recognise as well. Yeah, yeah, spot on, mate. And that's yeah. Um, I talk about that being you know, your perspective determines your narrative, and your narrative determines your outcome. Um, and that's that's a major focus as to what I talk about because it's so true and so evident, but. Yeah, perspective is everything in life, and at the moment, it's so relevant to to society. Um, it's easy, easy for us to get bogged down in COVID and what we can't do because of it. But if you look at what you can do because of it, your day is going to be so much better. <clears throat> it's such a so, small yeah. thing, but uh, you know, you live it every day. Yeah, yeah, I have to, mate. I have to. I have to. Otherwise. If you look at the list of things a quadriplegic can't do, there's a lot. And if I look at everything like that, 
that that's my perspective, then I'll be the most sour prick that you'd know. But um, I look at everything I can do because of because of it, and I'm a pretty happy man because of it. I imagine the list when you actually do break it down. There's a hell of a lot that you can do. Yeah, there's stuff that uh, uh, ordinarily previously you could do, and they're the things that shock us. Like someone has to wipe your ass for you now. Someone has to go out and you know change your you know pee bottle. Someone Mm. has to go out and change your clothes. Uh, you know, to to set up your hat the way that you want it to, or you know, what, what, whatever it might might be. Um, you know, I imagine you know uh, there's certain foods you can eat fairly independently, but someone probably has to prepare it if it's a proper cooking rather than you know, a yeah. microwave type of scenario. Uh, but I imagine you know you, you would be fairly difficult to cut something up still. Yep. yep. Yeah. 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 I um. I remember when I had my accident, I, I learned about everything I thought that it was to be a man, which, and I use the example as like, you know, it was below here and everything you could do physically, um, you know, that cliche of lift heavy things or do the masculine job. And then I had that all stripped from me. So I, I thought, what is it to be a man? Like, how am I going to do it? Uh, and then I slowly learned that like, it's everything up here. It's like the ability to listen, to say, sorry, um to help to ask questions and that that one that last one to ask for help and to ask questions that was something that as men i guess we don't really Mm. stereotypically like to do whereas now i gotta do it and i just gotta suck it up and and appreciate so i guess it introduces gratitude as well Um, so yeah the injury shaped a lot of that and changed my perspective again perspective about what it is to be a man and a, and a husband or a, a son or a brother or, or a leader, really. Well, it's a 180 as well. I mean, from, from the mindset of a 22-year-old soldier, you know, soldiers have got a certain mindset and it's not a you know, positive or negative, uh, neither right nor wrong. It's just a, a, there is a type of thinking that draws you to the military. Um, yeah. And, you know, thankfully, I think, uh, uh, that's utilised during a period and people mature and so on. But it, it makes a lot of sense if you're trying to send young people to war or, you know, to, to have certain disciplines. It works in this perfect methodical way that a trained plus there's personalities that thrive on it, thrive in it. Uh, but, you know, to then ask for help, you know, we're not yeah. here to ask for help, you know. You, you, you carry your own weight and that's how you yeah, do camaraderie. Yeah, yeah. You know, you carry yours, yeah. I carry mine, and, and when yours is falling down, I'll jump in, but you don't ask me to jump in. Um, that's just what mateship does and, and you know, you know, and the whole cliche of, you know, don't be a pussy. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. That's just the macho thing, right? It's a, it's a young yeah, male exactly. thing. Um, and I think oh, that's I alive so. and well and, you know, we'll probably continue to be be there and maybe there's some evolutionary advantage maybe that makes a lot of sense but uh you know that was kind of you know cut very quickly and and you had to ask much harder questions um yeah how long yeah. do you think it took you to get out of out of the, that, that 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 darker spot and start seeing you know maybe if i could describe it as you know uh, more better days than darker days 
Yeah, you know, yeah. Where, I where think, it started to tip yeah. in the other direction. Yeah, there was, there's actually a moment where I, I had a, re, a moment of realization where um, when in 2017 we moved to America, my wife and I, and um, sorry, my girlfriend at the time, and we, there was a rehab clinic over there for spinal cord injury. And come the end of the year, I transformed myself physically and I started to really see, I suppose, the beauty in, 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 some, in some aspects of life. And I got engaged. Oh, proposed to Elisa at this restaurant and um, whilst we were over there just before we came home and I remember sitting there and if you could measure my head it would have probably been like meters wide because <laughs> I was so happy everyone had just applauded us because it was like in at a restaurant I got down on my one, one knee out of my wheelchair and proposed tell and us about saw, that tell, don't, don't skip over that I want to I hear about yeah. that well uh, it was this restaurant that Elisa and I had always spoke about going to because it was a nice Italian one right on the water, Southern California. Now, look, sunsets there are incredible. And I called up and said, you know, I want the best table, best view. And um, I told two of my trainers from the gym that, like, this is what I want to do. So they had to meet me there because they needed to lift me out of my chair and, like, prop me up and put one knee down and one was holding my ass up so I didn't fall and one was holding whatever. Um, and I had to stage it so that they were going to be there, but Elisa wasn't suspicious. So we got there and two of my trainers happened to be at the door. What are you guys doing here? <laughs> and they're like, oh, we were just across the road at the beach. Oh, yeah, we're just going to eat here too. And Elisa's like, oh, I thought it was just you and I having dinner. I said, oh, yeah, well, I guess they can join us. She said, oh, okay, whatever. So we go down and sit down and, and this one of the trainers says, oh, Elisa, can you just come and get something out of the car for me? And Elisa's like, get something out of the car. Why don't you get it? But yeah, okay. So she gets out and unbeknownst to her, there was two other trainers in the toilet because need to have, sorry, one other trainer in the toilet because they needed two men to get me out of my chair and prop me up. So they did. They lift me out of my wheelchair, put me down on the knee. And I'm leaning on the table, like wobbly, gumby because I've got no balance and Elisa walks through and she's like, oh, you fall. Oh, and then she saw my knee down and she realized what had happened. And, and then, yeah, I proposed to her and, um, yeah, obviously she said yes. And uh, then the restaurant had clued onto what had happened and everyone starts clapping in true American fashion and, and um, you know, I got put back in my chair and the trainers congratulated us. And then they, you know, they said goodbye and they left us there and, I remember sitting there and I had a wine and people were walking up congratulating us and were, it was just a moment and, you know, at least I had tears in their eyes because it was so emotional. And I remember thinking, no, I remember thinking, I thought to myself that I was the happiest person, let's just say, in the world at that stage, injury or not, quadriplegic or able-bodied. So why would I let my injury get in the way of this? And why can't I continue this moving forward like with a person like Elisa in my life and the people in my life? So that was my moment of like, yeah, I can do this. That was my moment of realisation that, yeah, it's all good. Like Life's fine. Life's fine. Um, and there was that perspective changing my narrative and changing the outcome. And that's what I talk about in my presentations. But and it, it's a bit more detailed. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like we, from there, life's just been a, 
couple of hiccups you know, with my own mental health, but it's just been just gets better and better. Well, this is uh, what what I'm hearing, at least the way my sort of brain's pull, pulling this apart is, is trying to understand it is at that moment is is where you become cognizant, not and and maybe cognizant also because there's so much love and joy and happiness, but that anything is possible. Like yeah, you know, earlier today we you, you said you're bloody fitting yourself to become a professional uh, rider. Um, yeah. like that just sounds absurd, you know. Like, Joel, has anyone told you your arms and legs don't work, mate? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, and that that comes that speaks from from what you told me about that moment that you're like, I can do this. Like, you know, I might have to go out and and get some equipment or whatever, but that doesn't exclude me from you know, and 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 you know, there, there, there's just the, it's a different path that you've got to find to do uh to do something uh and most people what's in what's in the way for them is just their their head it, yeah. it's the i can't it's too hard don't have the time you know and here you are bloody lying down for three hours waiting for someone to to get you ready for the day yeah. someone else is saying i mean i'm guilty of it I, I i say to my wife oh you know when am i supposed to bloody exercise uh-huh. And how lame is that? How lame is that? And I, and I use these bullshit excuses like, you know, I get up really early in the morning, I go to work. By the time I come home, then, you know, do everything with the kids and da-da-da. And, you know, it's, it's now 9.30. When am I supposed to, you know, I can exercise 5 in the morning or I can exercise at 10 at night or 11 at night. Mate, you, you've just told me that that's the biggest load of bullshit that I've been telling myself and it's genuine, you know, people can, 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 you know, we can debate this all day, but it's bullshit. Uh, I wouldn't be so harsh on yourself, mate, but yeah, look, you, not, you create. Not, not harsh as in there's something I like to, to be um, uh, a down on it. It's just that it's reality. It's, it, it, there's a fact there that if I continue to lie to myself, then that lie is true. And it means I can't exercise. And it's like, you know what? I got, I got the means. I got the capacity. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just that I don't have the headspace to actually say, I'm going to do it when I don't feel like doing it. And that's what military training is, right? It's do a whole lot of stuff when you don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, like, and do it now. Yeah, when you're tired and you're exhausted, do it, you know. And all parents know this. You've got to get up and do, you know, uh, you know, change nappies when you're tired, you know, late in the, in, 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 in the night, early in the morning, again, again. You've got to keep doing it. You know, you're in so many ways, you know, you have these obstacles that are tiring. They take a whole lot more time and energy. I, I imagine... I jump in the car and I drive off and that's probably a 30 second sequence in, in, in total. I bet your sequence is five minutes or uh, whatever it might be. Um, There's still a process of the door opening, the the sort of platform coming down, you getting on platform coming up. I'm not sure where the ramp comes and you, whatever it is, right. You got to lock in and there's, there's more effort that goes into all the things mm. that you do, and I can't go for a run, mate. That's pretty yeah. pissed weak. <laughs> and I'm saying that as a, as a, as a comparative, and I know that comparatives are not 
healthy, but no. I'm trying to say, let's stop lying to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And, and at least say it is possible. I'm just not willing to do it. Yeah, it's probably a bit better. Yeah. 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 That's more, that's, that's realistic and fair. Yeah. It is possible. You're just not willing to do it. Yeah. That's powerful, yeah. right? But that's, yeah. Yeah. And that, that's fair. That's a fair. I mean, I bought a book. It's sitting there. It's a great book. I just don't want to read it. What, what are you reading at the moment? It's called Sapiens. Oh. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? And, oh. The first part of it's really good. And then it kind yeah. of gets a little bit, I think, you know, a bit repetitive or it's not quite as strong. And then it ends strong as well. Um, okay. I'll tell you a good recommendation. I'm reading it now for the second time. It's bloody brilliant. What is it? Green Lights by, Green lights. by um, uh, what's his name? Uh, I don't know celebrities' names. It's a McConaughey guy. Oh, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, Matthew, yeah. that's it. That's it. Yeah, McConaughey yeah, yeah. is a McConaughey or whatever. I tell yeah. you what, 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 like for me at least, it's it's, it's fairly inspirational because he's a bit of a wild cat. You know, he's a bit of a wild guy. Uh, got plenty of stories, but he 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 talks about, um, I suppose, just his biography. Uh, but I think there's some really cool takeaways in there. You will love that because it's got it's so much personality, and he reads it all. Um, so, you know, you get all the flavour and character. Um, uh, yeah, okay. get on Great. it, dude. Get on it. You'll love yeah. it. Let me finish this book first, please. <laughs> I am a perpetual book starter and never finisher. <laughs> like if you look at my bookshelf, there's probably hundreds on there. I probably read 10% of them, all of them. Well, if, if, yeah, if you tally it all together, there's lots. <laughs> I could read the foreword of every book and then I put it down. <laughs> do you, do you uh, uh, read physical books or do you do audible? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I tried the audible, but I just, my mind wanders and I like the physical, yeah, the, the okay. feel of the page and the smell and the sound. Try, try green lights in audible because you get his flavor because he talks it. Yeah, um, okay. So he, he breeds it out. Uh, it is, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, I think it's got a hell of a lot more character. And he knows where to, you know, where to set the tone and how to accentuate certain parts of the word or which words or where to pause as much. There's so much yeah. more flavor in it. Um, yeah. It might be one that gets you over over the edge for Audible. But, um, yeah. yeah. All right, thank Audible you. Plug. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they needed one. <laughs> Yeah. What do you do? What do you do for for uh, pleasure, mate? Like for for recreation, for you know, for for jolt time. Gym. I like to go to the gym. Um, like to exercise. So in about half an hour's time, I'll be going to do a workout. Um, yeah, just stay fit and healthy. And then I think hanging out with Elisa and Esme. That's there's my fun right there. For the time being, yeah, yeah. I guess that, that that's probably that's probably the extent of it. And I love to eat. I love food. Wow, that that goes with the territory, right? All, all, all good yeah. Italian boys. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And my trainers put me on like a new nutrition plan at the moment, so I'm eating a lot more than what I used to, and oh, I'm loving it. Yeah, 
Is that right. because of what you're starting to do? Tell, tell me a little bit about yeah. this this, this, this uh, riding business. Yeah, it's on a it's on a bike called like a Revo Carbon X. So you lay on your back, uh, and it's literally like three inches off the ground. Um, hand cycle like you know, cycle like this, or you know, backwards. I think one of the two. I'll work it out eventually. And um, there's different categories. Uh, I'm not sure what category I fall under, but um, yeah, it can, it can be a professional, not a paid professional thing, but like a professional race at a state level and national level. And obviously there's the, the international attraction as well, if that's ever possible again with all the COVID stuff. Um, but I did it just because it's been seven years now of my injury where I haven't been in a competitive environment. Um, and I've said like, I just want to, I want to lose to someone. I want to win. I want to, feel that disappointment of, of not achieving the, the first place or something like that because it's been too long. Like I go to the gym all the time. I work out, but, but for what, you know, like I want to have something to work for. So it's been really handy to have this trainer um, who was actually the guy that got me out of the wheelchair in America onto my knee. So I proposed to Elisa. So he's moved to Melbourne and he's training me three days a week. And he's also written up a nutrition plan. Uh, so we know our goal. We know that like I need to work my body towards a certain strength to be good enough to cycle. And uh, we know like what foods I need to eat in order to do that. And that's what we do. That's wow. really cool. It's like I'm it, it feels awesome. like I'm living the life of a professional athlete at the moment. It's great. Like that that's uh you know, we 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 we've started here in the office um September. Um, which okay. is, you know, walking for, uh, you know, raising funds for cerebral palsy and, you know, That's just great. that alone, you know, I've been doing, you know, finally doing those, those, those you know, 10 p.m. sort of uh, walks to, to get my, my uh, uh, count well up. Um, How but, many uh, you up to? Look, I, uh, what are, well, what, what date are we today? Today is the uh, 6th. Sixth. Um, so I've done most days. I didn't all yesterday because it was raining, but I, I had this sort of mental thing of going, well, no, it wasn't yesterday, it was the day before. I'm like, because it rained the entire day. I'm like, it's rain. You know, and, and, and what, I'll get wet? Uh, I didn't go though, but, but it was crossing my mind. You know, these are those sort of mental things. You're, you're like, so what? Well, I'll be wet. I'll come home. I have a, a thing called a warm shower, hot shower. <laughs> yeah. You know, like how scary is the rain versus, you know, both of us know what it's like to be in the rain and in the mud and, oh, and you know, on picket. Like, Crossman, Nick, it's your turn for picket. <laughs> That's one of the jokes of me and Paul used to laugh all the time. <laughs> You're on <a> picket. <laughs> It's always a F off. I've got one more minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate. Two minutes. That's gold, isn't it? What do you mean? I'm just getting you up early. Piss off. <laughs> Piss Two off. Two more minutes. Yeah. I'm still in my warm, I'm still in my warm uh, sleeping bag. Oh, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. But competition's important, hey? Like, that's that's yeah. that's uh, something that. That, uh, I mean, I say, I say big, big booming smile straight away the moment you start talking about that, that you're, you're, yeah. you're ready to hit it. Yeah, yeah, mate, yeah. And um, 
I was lucky enough to become a like an, an ambassador or an ambassador for Legacy Melbourne, and they've sponsored me and they've purchased this big uh, this big purchase this bike and they're going to sponsor me moving forward. Um, so that was huge to have them jump on board and pay for that because it's thirty grand. Um, wow. I was ne- I was never going to pay for that myself. That, I suppose that was a big hurdle as to why I didn't do it. But um, is this where yeah. the NDIS and stuff is? And obviously, there's pl- like as you say, the um, RSL has, has stepped in. Many organisations is there's a lot of money that goes behind these things. Like you know, I, I can just buy a bike for. I can get a decent bike for a thousand bucks and 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 and, and uh, ride for as long as I want. You know, your yeah. yours your bike is thirty grand. Yeah, that that's that's one of the hurdles as to why it's hard to exercise. If you look at the Paralympics at the moment. Like the, the equipment those trainers, those athletes are using, like they're the marathon um, marathon athletes, like that'd be thirty grand. And then you look at their prosthetic legs, you know, but. I don't, I don't know how much they would be, but there is so much equipment on those bodies. If you compare it to just your marathon runners in the, in the Summer Olympics for the able body, get them a pair of shoes, catch you later. Here's 250 bucks of shoes, go for a run. Whereas yeah. you know, these guys need thousands of dollars of carbon fiber equipment, um, prosthetics. It's, it's nuts. Like, and that's, that's why things are so expensive. But NDIS is an incredible tool if you know how to use it properly and to your strength to get to get equipment. And we've been fortunate enough to do that. And what a benefit as well, not not only for, for you personally, but you know, what we've discussed today, you know, your wife, uh, you know, your newborn, your yeah. you know, family. Because hmm. then I get to friends. show Esme that. There will always be physical limitations, but there, there are no mental limitations as to what you want to achieve or how you achieve it. So I can show her you know, I'm competing in a, in, a, in a competition against other people with disability in a, in a, in a bike or I just drove to work or um, you know, I still go to the gym and work out, albeit at a limited capacity, but like I'm still doing it. So, it's yeah, it allows us to access physical like training equipment and you know, the, the van that was modified for me to drive. Um, and then it also pays for the trainer to train me to, to remain fit. So it's not just me to get the benefit. It's, it's a community, really, families. Well, that's how you're able to work as well, you know, that, to, to, to go out. And, you know, what, what's interesting to, to me is, and I don't know what, what your you know, total role was, but, you know, working at Ironside, you know, where – looking at assisting defence members to find work outside of, 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 of defence. Um, you know, a lot of people think there's limitations in the way. You know, how do I tra- transition? How do I go into civilian life? How do I do all these things, you know, as though there are barriers and they probably don't realise they're on the phone with someone who, who, who certainly met more barriers in their life than uh, you know the average, and 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 yeah. transitioned out of uh, you know military uh, yeah. life, you know, and not not with the um, uh, uh, benefits that they had, you know, or, or they're yeah. looking out in there, and there's still trepidation. That doesn't take away from their nerves. That 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 needs no. to be acknowledged and understood, and that's that's not absurd. 
But uh, just putting those things in comparison next to each other, um, it's perspective. Yeah. They can't see the yeah. perspective, um, at least at that moment, and and you know, hence why organisations that help others transition are so so powerful. Yeah, yeah. I I was really proud to work for Ironside uh, for as long as I did. Um, never once did I wake up and think, "Oh, I've got to go to work." Never happened, and that's a massive credit to Glenn and Belinda. The people I work with, and and Ashley, the later in in the stage, but uh, for the way that they treated me and the climate they created at work, yeah, it was incredible. And then to be able to help one veteran find a job, he then got paid. He was able to bring food home. On, you know, you know the cliche: put food yeah, on the table. Yeah. But it's true. That job. So yeah, and that's why I really liked what I did. Um, but then you know that, that came to an end, and new opportunities came up. This is what's so strange about this world of ours is that all these cliches that we kind of skim over uh, are genuine and real, you know, and it's, yeah, it's almost like yeah. we don't give them any air. We just say, oh, look, it's a bit soppy. It's a bit, it's a bit cliche. It's like, you know, we, we, we're, we're not giving it any credit. It's, it's real. You know, there, there's something so important about putting – you know, bread on the table or there's something so important about saying, you know, when you're, when your dad said, we will do that together. Like that just brought yeah. tears to my eyes. I guess. Yeah. It's yeah, all cliche, thought, yeah. but it's, but it's real. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. genuine and true and just cuts through all the bullshit and, and just says what it is. Um, you know, I, I, I love that sort of honesty because I think we can then, you know, look at life with a clearer mirror you know we're not lying to ourselves no different to the lie of i can't go out and exercise yes i bloody well can i'm just not willing and i'm not suggesting that i have to you know yes you can cycle and be competitive you know it's like where are you going to find the money for it don't know but it's possible we've got to just sit in there and look for it and keep asking hard questions because it's easy to give up. I imagine the easy route for you is just give up. Yeah. The average person, it's easy to give up, right? It's hard to keep going. Yeah. For everyone, mate, spot on because it, uh, my dad told me one day, you know, like a negative attitude wins every time. Yeah. It does. It's easy to quit and it'll work. Um, but why, why do that? Where's it going to get you? And, and like, it's easy to sit back now and say that, but like when the times are tough and when you're thinking, oh, I can't do it, uh, the, that, that option of taking the easy way out is always there. Mate, we've got to practice that. And that's why I'm a big believer in, 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 in some of that military style um, exposure of their recruit course. It, it, it's, it's such a simple concept, you know, get people to march for a long period of time. And then when they're tired and exhausted, you tell them to sit down and they're taking a rest. And the moment they sit down and feel comfortable, you tell them all to get back up and walk another 5Ks. And you're just breaking this concept of, I can't walk anymore because you're exhausted. You're like, oh, I couldn't take one more step. And you just settle oh, into yeah. that and they break it. And they do that over and over and over again. And by the end of it, you know, you, you do feel fairly, uh, you know, uh, strong and, and confident because you're like, I've broken all the limits that I had for myself and yeah. such, 
Yeah, and that's that that helps at least as a as a nice foundationary beginning to to start viewing you know the world and say there's more to it. I can I can break other limits. Joel, where can we find out more about your story? What you're doing, you know, get in contact. Obviously, you know you 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 you've made yourself available now to you know talk around resilience and and you know that perspective, that mindset stuff. Where can we find out more? Uh, I've got a website, joelsardi.com, and there's all the information there about what I do and how to get in contact with me. Uh, I've got an Instagram page as well. Um, But, yeah, look, primarily the website, joelsardi.com, and everything is there. Nice, nice. And will you kind of be posting that about – I'm I'm – really super eager to find out more about your uh your uh new new uh cycling adventure oh yeah well yeah yeah i'll i'll put everything on the instagram page everything will go there and that's that's what we do to keep people updated everything goes on instagram and i keep keep track of it there and um i cannot wait i'm so excited i just want to have that moment where i'm struggling i'm struggling dad's behind me come on mate let's go let's go that's going to be that's going to be a very special time and just just losing or winning I don't care just want to do it well i think uh you know uh, doing it is winning right it's, it's yeah it's yeah. that bullshit cliche stuff again right it's about the journey not but it's true it's true it's so 100% 100% yeah it is it is and yeah. Imagine saying that around the barracks, you know, to all the boys, you know. Yeah. It's not about it's not about winning, guys. It's it's about you know, the stomp. You just get booed at and laughed at it. Yeah. But you know, yeah. it's 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 true and genuine. And this 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 whole journey has asked big, big bloody questions. Yeah, look, mate, we're just gonna take it a week at a time and see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. When do you when do you uh get in? I mean, you you've been fitted. Um, uh, when do you receive it? Uh, I think it'll be about three months, four months. Long, they, long process. What do they do? Do they have to like mold it around you, or how, how does it all? Yeah. Mm. If you look on, uh, it's called a Revo Carbon X. Revo Carbon X. So add that to the list. You got the Ferticare, you got the Revo Carbon X to check out after this. Um, and yeah, that you'll see it there, and you'll see why it's so niche you know not niche yeah like modified and unique maybe the, the only thing i'm getting for river oh here we go here we go um <laughs> carbonix hand cycle yeah oh geez look at that that looks like a, a ferrari i hope it moves like one <laughs> <laughs> can you uh can you sneak in a uh, little electric assist in there as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just say, oh, oh, Dad, don't worry, I got it. I got this special button. No one knows inside the carbon. I got, I got it's all full of batteries. <laughs> How did that get in there? Shit. <laughs> oh, so, if if uh, uh, what 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 sort of things just before we finish up? What sort of things can can uh, people reach out to you about? What what. What do you um, oh. offer these days? Because I, I you know, I uh, want to get your your uh, voice out there as much as possible. Because this this Thank is the you. sort of attitudinal type type of things that we need to be considering and have nuanced conversations about and have exposure to. Because 
Um, I, I think naturally the mind is lazy. You know, naturally the mind looks for shortcuts, and and uh, when we when we see something that has no shortcuts and, and, and sees the effort that goes around that, it asks so many questions of us. So, you know, how, uh, you know, what are some of the reasons that people might get, get in contact? Uh, what, what are you sort of uh, doing right now? Thanks, mate. Um, so I'll present to anybody that uh, wants an insight into perspective that wants to, and I say, I'll change your life. Anyone that wants to change their life for the better to learn about, how to see the beauty in things, how to be more resilient, to use perspective to change your life, basically. Um, be it businesses, as I said, sporting clubs, schools, anybody um, from five people to 1,500 people I've presented to, and, and I'll continue to do that. And can I maybe also just add something? Uh, I think a lot of this is about people who want to find something out people have got to be ready to hear your story, you know, and, and, and to get what they need out of it. It's, it's uh, there's a certain type of person that's going to hear what you have to say because they're listening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if you're that sort of person, um, you know, then, then there's a lot to be understood and heard. It's no, no different to a really good book. You know, you, you've got to be ready to read green lights to get something out of it. Otherwise it's just, it's just another book. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, or you just get through the forward and then that's it. You put it down. <laughs> you got to be ready. <laughs> it's the book over there just staring at me. And the, the page, the bookmarks it like page number 22. <laughs> oh, it's been uh, awesome catching up. Yeah. I can't wait to uh, Thank do you. this again. Uh, hopefully I can come down to Melbourne at some point. I know that I was supposed to, we were supposed to do a bit of a catch up when, uh, when I was going to see Kath, but uh, that never eventuated because of COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. Looking forward to, to next time I'm, I'm down or if you guys, uh, you know, get out of your lockdown, you're coming up North. Um, definitely, definitely swing, yeah, you know. swing by ours and, and, um, Mate, I'll tell you what, I, I actually set up, you'll, you'll like this, when I was uh, building my house, um, uh, one of the things that I designed in it was with having elderly parents, I realised that all, you know, myself, something could happen. Um, I actually put a ramp in my house so I can get all the way up to the living quarters. Um, now, I haven't done, you know, haven't set up a, a toilet or anything like that, but honestly, I think my house would actually achieve all of those things. Uh, it's all flat. It's all on one ground. Um, there's even a fire pit at the back where you can Ooh. you can ramp up. You can you, you can do the whole lot. Um, so you know you could uh, you know uh, come over, mate, and we can uh, you know enjoy it without any extra hassles. Because I imagine that that that's always a thing that's in your mind. How do I? get in yeah. and out of places and all that sort of stuff um, definitely is so uh, uh you know you're, you're welcome welcome to come and uh you know we can sit around the fire have a beer um talk about uh talk about some uh you know war, war stories and uh yeah. you know reminisce and maybe you know chat about paul as well and um, yeah yeah definitely some stories there yeah yeah mate thank you so much it's been a beautiful start to my week having a chat here this morning thank you so much good talking mate Thanks, Nash. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please support it by going to iTunes and putting a review. Subscribe, share it via social media, and tell others about it. Start a conversation. It's listeners like you that make this able and possible and why we bring in these guests to go out and share their knowledge and resources. And just lastly, if you are a psychologist and you want to go out and be part of a bigger team, develop your experience and get into some exciting work, come to strategicpsychology.com.au forward slash careers and reach out. I'd love to hear from you.